0: Welcome back to Jesus Speaks Farsi. Thanks for joining us for our second episode in our series highlighting Iranian believers helping build God's kingdom through planting churches in unique ways and places. Today, Joe's talking with Samuel, a dynamic pastor from Argentina whose story intersects with the story of the Iranian church. Samuel remembers his mother praying that her five children would reach the nations, and as Samuel grew up, he felt God calling him specifically to Iran. I think you will be moved by his compelling testimony that includes smuggling Bibles into a closed country, meeting and marrying his beautiful Iranian wife, Sara, and ultimately being an integral part of the ever-growing story of God's church in Iran. We're glad you're here. Let's get started.
1: All right, we are uh, back for another episode. I'm excited today to have with me, not an Iranian, but someone who's married into the Iranian family and has done a lot of work amongst Iranian. Samuel, thank you for coming on to Jesus Speaks Farsi. We're happy to have you with us today.
2: Thank you very much, my friend. so happy to be with you and with everybody who's listening to us right now.
1: So, Samuel, tell us, um, you're from Argentina, so tell us a little bit about growing up in Argentina, what, what your faith journey was like and, and how you got connected with the Iranian church.
2: Okay, so I, I grew in a pastor's family. My, my parents, they were pastors. Uh, so I really grew with my mother reading us stories every night from different you know, uh, people from different nations. And I remember she had a book. And every night we would pray for a different uh, population, different country, different, you know, uh, different people. And we would pray. We used to pray for the nations. And we are five. I'm, I'm the eldest of five. And okay. my mother would, would say, you guys are going to be. God gave me five uh, children because each one of you is for a different continent. So Really? Uh, yeah. So. My mom and my father would pray every night with us for us and for the nations. And uh, at the age, I guess I was about 26, 27, um I was working in in, in a Bible Bible college. I was actually. Uh, so did you? Then, so did you
1: ever? I want to jump in because I'm thinking of teenagers and kids listening. Did you? Did you ever struggle with your mom saying stuff like that, or did you kind of? Always believe in Jesus? Did you think you were gonna be a missionary or
2: um you know the thing is I grew with the sense of knowing that I was called for ministry. Yeah. Uh and in my mind it was nothing out out from that. of course I had my encounter with the Lord when I was about 18 years old and uh sorry, eighteen, nineteen years old. I remember yeah. I, I was uh, like hurt with the church with, with my father, because he, was, he was a pastor, and he was working so hard and, and not giving me time, so I struggled with my faith, but at the age of six, 18, 19 I came back to the Lord and gave my, my full heart, and from that moment, I I decided that I would follow him, and I just I knew, like I, I, I never doubted, doubted that it was a calling to on, on my life for serving him, I didn't know just how, and uh so, because you know, I was a musician, so I thought I, I would serve the Lord with the with with music, you know. But the Lord, you know, just took me from a, to another uh, to another uh, like plan. He he put another plant in front of me. So, what what so, did
1: that look like for you at eighteen nineteen? You have this encounter with the Lord. You want to serve, build the kingdom. What what's the next step? What what did you do so from there?
2: What I did is. Uh, I, I did a change of friendship, you know, the friends I used to have, they were not people who, who would follow Jesus and they were not like good company for me. So I decided, you know, uh, to, to, to be friends with people that they were, they were in fire for Jesus. And that was the first thing I did. And then uh, I, we used to go to the street and, you know, and preach to to the to the needy you know and we so would you, take you him were, you would do him as home like baptize a, them yeah like <laughs> as a nice year uh, in, so in Argentina
1: in Argentina yeah, you were doing that in Buenos okay.
2: Aires Buenos Aires yeah so I would go with my friends to the street we were praying in the you know in the parks in finding people and and they were born again we would we would bring them to my home and baptizing them and praying for them and then we will take them to a local church you know introduce to the pastor and, uh, and I really started loving evangelizing, you know, the streets and, and being on fire for Jesus. So, uh, and then with the time that uh, that's a long story, but with the time, I remember that I, I, I heard once, I was actually, this is 25 years old, 26, uh, and I'm, and I'm preaching in a conference in a church conference, and there is another guest speaker, and he was the man who used to smuggle Bibles into Iran. And that was the first time Iran came to my mind. So he started telling me that in Iran, they don't have Bibles, the churches are underground. But yeah, let me, let was... me ask you, when you're, okay, go
1: when, you're, when you're 25, 26 at this conference, it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So you're 19, you're on fire for the Lord. You're doing street evangelism, bringing people to church, baptizing them on fire. You're given opportunities to preach and teach. And at yeah, 25, yeah. I, 26, what, what what year was that like? What was happening in the church in Iran at that time? What what year are we talking about?
2: Uh, we are talking, oh, man, I think that was 2009, probably 2010. Okay. I don't have that clear like it was, it was, it was a season. So I don't remember exactly the dates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, so after that, I went to this industry, whatever. I survived the college, so I graduated and I became a pastor in the church, in local church. And then I was giving a job to be the director in in his, in the Bible school. So I, okay. I moved to, to to Chile, another country right next to Argentina. So I was living there for five years. And then in one conference, I met this guy. So he was smuggling okay. Bibles into Iran. And he was talking to me about the church in Iran. They don't have Bibles, they, they don't have huge buildings, they don't have anything of what, what we have. But they are memorizing the Bibles there. You know, they want to know more of Jesus, and many many Muslims are coming to Jesus. So uh, that's the first time he mentioned that. And uh, and from that moment, you know, the name Iran started. Chasing me like I was running, but it was chasing me everywhere I was going I was stealing from from Iran and the Lord just started like Cornering me with Iran So uh, one day my pastors, you know They called me and they said, Sam, we we need to talk to you Uh, By the time I was a director in a Bible center, Bible school So yeah, and they said I don't know if you have heard anything about Iran, but in our prayers, the Lord He's not stopping saying Samuel needs to go to Iran. Samuel needs really? to go to Iran. So, so yeah, they say, "What does this have any makes any sense for you?" And I say, well, "I was crying, you know, because at <laughs> the point I was really, you know, surrendering." and said, "Lord, but I like what I'm doing here. Uh, it's everything safe for me here." So, uh so I called my mother, actually, and I say, Mom, and my father and my mother, I called them, and I said, hey, you know what happened to me? So my mom, she opens the Bible, and she shows me a list, you know, of prayer. Yeah, and yes. her list of prayer, it was my name, and the Lord was reading, the, and she was reading, uh, he, would, he, he wrote that, China, Iran, Afghanistan. So she, she started telling me what the wow. Lord talked to her many, many years ago. So she said, son, there is, it is not doubt. I have no doubt that you will serve in this country. How, how, did, so, how
1: did that make you feel? Because like part of me, now I get like, I'm super excited listening to it. Like the Lord is all over it. But part of me, like there's like a little bit of holy fear, right? Like, oh, my, that's a that's amazing, but a bit scary. Did, was it so, scary or exciting? Or What was that like? Let,
2: let, me be, let me be really, really vulnerable with you right here. Um, you know, I knew this was from the Lord. Because yeah. I was very young and uh, I started receiving many invitations to preach in different places. And, and in some way, my name was kind of being, you know, known between yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the South America and, and really proudness started working and growing my heart. And I didn't know, I didn't realize. So the Lord started talking to me about something that needed to, to heal, you know, things that he wanted to take out from my heart. And, uh, and, and at uh, the point I needed, I, I was confronted by the, by, by the spirit with, with this uh, proudness or with this, you know, uh, I don't know how to call it, you know, but the, I knew, I, I, I knew that something needed to be, uh, to, needed to be, uh, treated in my heart, the Lord, yeah. the, the Lord, wanted to to work my heart. So when my pastors they said that they were going to send me to Iran, to and and the first mission was to smuggle Bibles, you know. So they 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 hoped me to go to a certain place, have uh, Bibles there, and then uh, smuggle them through the border to 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 Iran. It, it meant to me to leave everything. So I quit the job. I quit everything. I quit my life. I, I quit to everything. And I moved. And, uh, you know, at the time in Iran, if you would hold, if you would ha- have a Bible or a portion of the Bible in Iran, you would suffer at least eight years prison for, for yeah. a portion of So Bible. you, so you knew were people
1: to... were being arrested. It was dangerous. Yeah. And you, so yeah. you went to the Iran region and you were going to smuggle Bibles in. And had you ever been to the Iran region? Have you, had you ever been to the Middle East before?
2: I, yes, yes, actually. Okay. Actually, actually, during the time I was in the Bible college, and before when in the church I was, I used to travel to, to, to uh, Israel a lot of times, because we started a church in the south of Israel okay. with Latins, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I traveled, yeah, through the Middle East lots of times, and then um, but this was the first time yeah I was in the human region. So so then, tell
1: me, uh, I, I want to know uh, I want to know details because this is fascinating. So a guy you're in Argentina you're kind of like yeah. you're growing in the kind of church circles. You're a good speaker. People know you. People are inviting you to come and speak. And I've been around that and I know what it's like. You get excited. The Lord is moving, but there is that pride that swells up, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden. You sent to the Middle East to smuggle Bibles into Iran, very dangerous yeah. country. What what did that look like? Did you just like pick up the Bibles and cross the border? That, that made or what no did
2: sense for me, Joe. That made no yeah. sense. I went out of obedience, you know, and I I, I really believe that the calling for, for for nations and the calling it's just obedience, you know. Like imagine Barnabas and and and. and and Paul, he was on Paul, yeah. he was souls. So they were obedient. They were, they were just in the top of uh, Antioch Church, and they were yeah. everything was happening. They, they needed to to be obedient. The Lord's pointing them to go to the, the 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 empire, you know, the Roman Empire to to the last corner of the Roman Empire, and they needed to be obedient. And uh, I don't think it was comfortable for them to just leave everything behind and move, but they did it out of you know obedience. And that, that's that happened to me. I was comfortable. People knew my name. They were always be invited and this and that. But you know, you know, I, I knew that I needed to quit that and move to a place where nobody knew me, and risk my life was something that I needed to consider. Uh, because in Iran, they 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 catch you with the life. They will, with the Bible. They will kill you. So yeah,
0: yeah.
2: Uh, With no training, more than just faith and obedience, I went to the to, to one of the countries next to Iran with Bible. So I, I, that that's how get. Uh, you know
1: so did, did you what What did you do you put them in a suitcase and cross over how did you actually are you allowed man, to tell us how a, you did
2: this yeah we would need a few podcasts for that my pastor told me take only three bibles not more yeah. than that because if they catch you it's eight years for every bible that you, you have so uh, he's very much friend and uh in, in a country where uh, next to Iran, in, in the Iran region, and we didn't know anything of the language. Everything was really uh, scary, you know? So we are in an underground, getting Bibles because we need to go. And so once I'm in front of the person, I said, okay, uh, we, would, we would like to have three Bibles, each one, because that's what we were told to. And my friend right next to me he said, no, no way, man. Uh, I want you to give me all the Bibles you have right now, all the Christian Bibles, because <laughs> if the Lord, if God is going to hide three Bibles, he can hide all of them. So give me every single Bible you have. <laughs> so there is a rap and, and, and and the, the guy in front, of ha- in front of us, I remember far high was his name. He said that, OK, let me let me see. So he goes back and he brings uh 86 Bible, man. 86 yeah. Bible. So I start counting. Out how are we going to do that? So the thing is that we go back to the hotel. We and I say, man, what are we going to do with this Bible? So he said, let's pray. The Holy Spirit would lead us in, on how to do this. So we are praying, and we just feeling from the Lord that we just put it in the suitcase, and that's it. So we put the, the the Bibles in the suitcase, and I'm telling you, it's a long story. I, I would love to. To share this yeah. in detail later because, but when we crossed the border, we were caught by the police and they opened the suitcases. Did, did, and were, when you, that,
1: were you driving across or flying? No, did no, no. You, we you were drive? going
2: through, through a bus.
1: Okay. Actually,
2: okay. actually, let me tell you, we had no money because my friend was coming from China and he lost his uh, flight. So, with the money we had for surviving a month, he needed to. Buy another ticket plane, and so we are right now with two suitcase full of Bible in the streets. And we have no money, and we need to go to Iran. It's two days by bus, you know, from, yeah. from the city we were yeah, taking yeah. the Bibles in the Iran region to Iran. So, <clears throat> so we are there, and out of the blue, two persons are approaching us. Obviously, we were tourists, and these two persons were tourists, and they said. Uh, what's your name? What are, you, what are you doing here? So I scared, you know, because I, th- I thought maybe they were police. And so once we found out, they told us that they were pastors. So I said, OK, I'm a pastor, too. And he said, he says, again, what are you doing here? And I said, OK, so uh, it was scary. You know, you are in a Muslim country with, with two suitcases full of Bible about smuggling into Iran. So and they, they were asking, what were we doing? So I said. We were we are, we are about to smuggle this Bible into Iran. So he smiles to his wife and he says, you know, we were praying this morning and the Lord sent us here at this time to give you this. And he gave us $100 each. Which what, was what, the,
1: uh, what nationality were those pastors?
2: Uh, they were from Singapore. <laughs> they were this pastors from Singapore. They they were right now in, in yeah, it, 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 it is not insane. It's supernatural, brother. <laughs> so they were visiting uh, places in the Middle East from from Christianity background so uh, they start, they prayed in the hotel room, the Lord is sending them to this address that at this time and giving us $100 to me and my friend, and they pray in the street for us, and uh, the, the bus ticket from this city to, to Iran, to Tehran was $95 so we went wow. there, we put the suitcases you know, we are right now on the border and I'm telling you, it's a long story I'll be happy to to, to share share that uh, sometimes. But so we're on the border and we are catched by the police. They open our suitcases knowing that there was something wrong there and the when the police touches the Bible, he, found, he actually opened the suitcase, he finds the Bible, he sees the Bible in front of him, but when the police is touching the Bibles, he got an elect- electric shock, you know, like, he, he got an electric shock, and he was pulled back, and he was lost, you know, his eyes, like, went blind and, like, I don't know how to say it in English. Sorry, oh. my English is limited. So, yeah. so he he get a shock, and uh, and he was not. He didn't know where he was. The police. So we took the Bibles and we run. You know, we took the Bible right. run to the right. bus. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah well, that's what we <laughs> did. So we run, and uh, and you got saved. And then I I, I I experienced, you know, many other miracles while while you know smuggling the Bibles. But the, the beautiful thing was that when we got there. Uh, to to Iran, we were we were we're right now in Iran, and we were pointed to a house, uh, to an address, and there was this woman who was gonna receive the Bibles and put the Bibles in the in 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 an underground place, an underground storage. So uh she was so excited that we have so many bibles because now they can send these bibles to different churches you know uh joe there are there are churches in, in, in Iran they they have one bible for all the church for the whole church wow. you know and they will memorize the bible they will take the Bibles they will they will uh you know like they will break the Bible. Like you take yeah. you 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 will memorize Matthew. I will memorize John. So you memorize First Corinthians, and then we're we switching. You know, so having Bible for them was amazing. You know, so it was supernatural. I didn't know. I little know that that woman who who hosted me would be would end up being my mother-in-law. That was <laughs> years love. later.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. So, so did did so you we, meet did you meet Sarah on that trip or did you not meet her that trip?
2: No, no, I met her. Yeah, I'm. a long story. I met her before out of Iran. I was. Oh, in the phone. okay. You remember this time where I was. I was the Lord was cornering me. I met Sarah, actually. I I never knew she would be my wife. I didn't even pay attention to her at the, at the time. She was preaching and I was just saying, Wow, she's a woman and she's a pastor in Iran. And that's it. I forgot of her. And then I'm in this house and I realized that this is the mother of that. And it's, oh, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. okay. So how, yeah.
1: how long how long did you stay in Iran <clears throat> for that trip?
2: We were granted visas for only two weeks there, so. so what, what else did you do when weeks,
1: you were in country? Did you we were, meet the house churches and stuff oh, like that? We
2: were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe, uh, I lived one of the most beautiful experiences there because it was my first encounter with with uh, persecuted churches, you know, underground churches. So I remember being in an underground church, uh, six, seven people, you know, in 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 a in a sub. Uh, how you call? It in the, yeah, the uh, it's not a subway, is it? Like
1: uh, underground. Underground. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Station. It was
2: no, no, no. Yeah, sans, it sounds. It was a place like that. We were heating there, you know. Yeah. And I remember, listen, I a was, basement. I was, was it a
1: basement? Kind
2: of. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of a basement. So yeah. I was called to share the word, okay? I was speaking English, somebody would translate for me into Persian. So I'm there with six other people, seven other people. And uh, we were, I was fascinated, John. You know, uh, somebody is uh, praying, the other is uh, interpreting what this person is saying. And they, it was not worship leader. You know, they were somebody who started song and they was, Singing very very slow, you know. No, they don't. They didn't want to be caught. So, so it was a. Low. It was not It was a movement of the spirit that everybody was, uh, you know, praying and singing a song, and then somebody was, you know, opening the Bible, sharing what, sharing what, what he remembered that the Lord talked uh, this past week, and somebody was crying and praying. So it was beautiful, you know, a movement of God that I've never experienced before, and I'm supposed to share the word, but I was not in shock. Yeah, so after yeah. after this meeting finishes, I remember there was a. Uh, the young pastor was Hussein. So I come to Hussein and I say, Hussein, God, man, you guys are my heroes. Yeah, like you yeah. memorize the Bible. You, you you are being persecuted by your God. Or, you know, you, you, are, you are my heroes. He said, uh, he said I'm sorry. You, you say what? We are your hero. I said, yeah, that, that's exactly what I said. He said, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm confused because for me, you guys are my heroes. I said, mm. we who are we? You westerners. You are my heroes. I say, why? He said, Look, here in my country, the government can kill us, or uh, we have we don't have many options. We don't have we have. You know, all the woman's cover, all the television control, internet control, money control, everything is controlled. But in the in the place you are living, you are allowed to do everything and anything. And instead of that, you, you deny to those things and you decide to follow Christ. He said yeah. that for me, you are my hero. The Western church is, they are my heroes, he said, but they are, because they are, uh, uh, they are uh, exposed to many different persecutions, like uh, let's say you know, sex persecution, drugs persecution, consumption persecution, destruction persecution. You have many things to to, to get away from from the real uh, the, 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 from the narrow path, you know, from the narrow yeah, way. Yeah. And you are deciding to to say no to those things and follow Jesus. He said, "For me, you are a hero." And I said, "Wow! Like it, it, it is not." The, that it says the persecuted church in the West. Which is the church of Christ. And church, we are being persecuted yeah. by different, you know, different enemies, but it, or different strategies, if you may, but it's in the same Lord. So I was really encouraged, you know, because uh, in my maturity, I was thinking that this is a good church. You know, they they will give their life for Jesus. They will, you know, memorize the Bible. But on the other hand, we here in the West, we have many other Things that could, you know, drag us away from God or pull us away, but we yeah. decided to say no to those things and
1: follow Jesus. So, what um, what did you speak on? Did you did you preach? Did you give a message?
2: I didn't. I mean, they were preaching. They were sharing. They were they were singing. <laughs> I was just shocked. You know, yeah. I've never seen that. It was not one person leading. It was not a. It was not a rule. It was not a protocol. It was not a a service. You know. If you may planning, it was nothing. It was just six, seven so, people gathering, praying, crazy.
1: Let me ask you. So you you have that experience. You smuggle Bibles in. A couple of weeks visiting house churches, just being blown away by what the Lord is doing. Mm-hmm. How how does that impact your faith or your idea of missions or the Great Commission even? You know, like you've been in South America, you've been to Bible school, you've done the churches, you've done the preaching. What what's, what's, what changed in your life in the way you did the Great Commission or you you did ministry after that?
2: Well, after smuggling Bibles for the first time in Iran, I I realized and I knew there that, that I was called to serve these people no matter what or when. And at that time I I connected with Elon Ministries, mm-hmm. you know, which of course they were like praise God, there are, there are different people serving in the Iran region, but like, Elam was the main ministry there, you know, yeah. and I sell the fruits, and, and so I, I connected with them, and they started inviting me to to share with uh, in in the region region, you know, with some uh, training that they were doing, so yeah. Yeah. I started working with them, and I started like between this and, and Israel, I was just coming back and forward, <clears throat> and then uh, I realized that really, uh, this was what the Lord wanted to me. I mean, I've heard from my pastors, from, from from people that were, you know, authority of my life. So praying and all that, I knew that uh, this was the the part of Christ that I was called to serve. Uh, and uh, it, it took it, it was a period where, where I was praying. In, in that time, I get to know Sarah, who now is my wife. So sure. she was out of Iran, she went to one of the countries near nearby yeah. to, to, to serve So Iranians she's
1: been through her persecution, she's been to prison, she was, you meet outside. She was in
2: jail, you know, she yeah, was, yeah, yeah, she was know. taken in jail. 2010, she was she she was taken to jail. Uh, they tried to kill her three times, so she yeah. survived, and she ran away from, from Iran, and she was now... Uh, um, planting churches in the in the, Iran the region. So And then I was teaching, so I met her. We started serving together in different locations. And then, yeah, we met, we got in love, and we married, and we settled there uh, serving churches and planting churches.
1: So you were serving, because I, I know your story as well, and if if you want to hear Sarah's story, you, you can hear her on one of the podcast episodes. But I know I've seen you guys at work together, in the Iran region. And it wasn't just mm-hmm. this idea of planting churches. It was this idea of raising up leaders, right? So I know many of the people that you've helped disciple mm. and raise up, and they are now leading churches yeah. and ministries in the Iran yeah. region. So so what was that like? Um, what's your experience in that of training up national leaders and, and seeing that kind of happen?
2: Well, you know, it was a very, very... Uh, Mark lighting spirit, because uh, here in the West, where everything goes fast and every everybody has his job and and achievements and goals and and lack of time, I found myself in a culture where, you know, relationship is a, is the most important thing. So they yeah. they want to have time, spend time actually, uh, the churches that we have in the Iran region, if you've been there. So they they start every day worshiping and praying six in the morning, every day, like every day. So I start discovering a new a new uh the dimension of, of of discipleship that I've never heard or thought before, you know, and I found myself spending from morning to night with people. I'm I'm married. I'm just married. So I didn't have kids at the time. So I had enough time to spend with people and they were hungry. You know, from morning to night, people were listening from. So and we were going to play soccer. We were going to the market. We were going, you know, to every day, every time with me. So I have six disciples, all of them right now, pastors, and, and their disciples are now pastors So I discovered discipleship for the first time, you know I discovered that discipleship is not only body study You know, uh, Bible study lessons It's not, you know, you sit there, I'm going to teach you It's walking with people and being with them is for real You know, it's yeah. It's it's not that sit there, I'm going to teach you three steps to forgive No, 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 they saw my life and they, they, they learned from me It's like your kids, you know, you, you, yeah. you don't teach them you sit down here, son, I'm gonna teach you three steps so you can uh, throw the the rubbish or the garbage yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. They, they see you doing it they will do it so so I discovered a new dimension of leadership of uh, discipleship and how important it is. now they, I, I discovered this the first time Jesus talked to Peter and it was clear from the right from the beginning, I'm gonna make you a pastor. you will right now, you are getting into discipleship with me. You are not gonna fish anymore. You're gonna right now turn uh, into men fisher, you know? I'm gonna disciple you. And it was clear from the very first moment. So, seeing them with, with Muslims just converted to Jesus, uh, it was clear for me. I, I took six people and, and I started discipling them. You know, it was, it was intentional. I said, you guys, all of you will be pastors. You know, you Joe, you know, some of them. So from the first moment, <laughs> I said, guys, you will be pastors. You will serve the Lord. And at the time. So life, I, want, you know?
1: I want, I want, I I want to go back here because it's almost like okay. what your mum said to you guys. She had you five mm. kids, and she was like, "This is what you're gonna do." Like right. you were speaking right. life over them and <laughs> and prophecy. Over mm. uh, we we could talk forever about this, and I do know some of the some of the people, wonderful people. But um, coming from South America, where you'd been to Bible school yourself, and you'd seen the way. Which it can be really, really great going to Bible school, right? It can be mm-hmm. a wonderful experience. But how would you see? Um, h- how would you say to like Western leaders or Western pastors or whatnot this model of just taking these six people and walking with them day to day? What just just tell us more about that and what it was like and some of the stories maybe. Well,
2: Joe, you know what I realize is that sometimes we. And here in the West, we want to have a control of everything. We want to plan everything in advance. And we t- we want to control everything. And we are, we want to have the control. That's the thing. And that's what we put many different, you know, we build many different structures uh, and things that, and that we do and we do with our best heart. But I discovered with them and with the church that discipling or training video, or whatever is is much more uh, relaxed. That what I thought. It was not, yeah. it was outside of plaza. it was outside of points and, 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 and courses and, you know, it was outside of structure, you know. I don't imagine Jesus saying to the guys, to, to the disciples, guys, sit down, take your pen, your, your paper, <laughs> I'm going to give you three <laughs> points on how to walk in water, you know. He wouldn't do that. Yeah. He will leave. It was real. And what I, what I discovered there, it was real. It was not control. it was not Point one, point two. we do yeah. this time, at this time. It was not a structure at all. I mean, it was a structure. But, you know, there are three things that really move the church, you know, in the urban region. They are the fastest growing church in the world. Why, Joe? They run light, you know? They don't have many structures. They only have discipleship, evangelism, and character building. That's yeah. it, you know? They, they have lots of, you know, uh, time together, they are spending time, their fellowship is very important for them, and I think that sometimes we want to control everything, you know, we want to be sure, if, and at some point, Joe, I, we need to recognize that we don't trust the Holy Spirit, sometimes we we trust more in our uh, plans, in our programs, in our, you know, the things that we build, whether that, you know, instead of Trust in the Holy Spirit, and I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that the progress and all this that we do is bad. That that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying that is that when I when I went to the to China, you know, in the middle in in Iran region, you know, different countries, Cuba, I don't know places where they did. When I found the persecuted church, I realized that they lay more in the Holy Spirit more than more than we do. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 experience the the real leading of the Holy Spirit, that for some reason, and for the many structures we have, we don't need, you know, yeah. I find myself, and I'm not, I'm not saying this to you, or, I'm saying to myself, it's easier for me to rely in, in human structures or plans or whatever, you know, because listening to the Holy Spirit will take you lots of things you know we'll we'll take you to to you know to quit to things to to renounce to give up things you know time patience it'll it'll
1: make you uh make you take 86 bibles into iran instead of just three bibles (laughs) (laughs) by
2: the way that was not my idea that was my friend and uh, yeah thank god i'm uh, I'm working with a man, you know, of faith but yeah I would say that we need to everything we do we program first we but I like uh, Acts 13, the the, the Antioch, they were praying, fasting, and serving the Lord. They were not planning, yeah. they were not doing a let's do a conference and let's plan how to conquer the Roman Empire. No, no, they were not doing that. They were praying, they were fasting, yeah. and sometimes we are so worried with our plans, so worried with our structures, so worried with our strategies. And it is time for us to lead that and give the place the Holy Spirit, let Him lead the church, you know?
1: I think that that's a beautiful reminder for us, um, us listening outside of the Iran region. One thing that we can really learn from them, the, the simplicity of the gospel, discipleship, evangelism, praying, fasting, relying on the Holy Spirit. But what, what I do, um, I want you to speak into a little bit Samuel, because you've seen what God is doing in the inside Iran, in the Iran region, Iranians, Afghans, many, many people coming to Christ, needing discipleship. Like you said, it's one of the fastest growing churches in the world. I'm in the West. I want to pray. I wanna help. What 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 do you think? People can do churches, people can do like you, for instance, you obviously had a call on your life to go to the Iran region, but maybe some of us don't. Um, You know, what what can we do as a global church, not just for Iran, but other parts of the world where things like this are happening?
2: Oh, so I think, you know, there's a parable of coins and that parable, you know, the the Lord is telling them Go and negotiate with this coin. So the word for that is pragmatical mind. Like be pragmatic, you know, mm-hmm. if you found this business and this business will give you 10, go for it. If this business is going to give you one, avoid doing that. You know, right now there are countries that they need pastors, that they, they need people, you know, and I think that we need to be more pragmatic. The Lord is not going to tell us where to serve or how. Sometimes we are just too spiritual, you know, and many of us, we we will only need to go to the places where really they have needs, you know, and move by faith. And uh, I'm not saying just being crazy, but move by faith. And in John 15 said, my father is glorified when we bear many fruits, not one fruit, many fruits. So I would say. You decide where to serve. You decide where to to live, where to serve. Do it in a way that you will glorify the Father with fruits, you know, because sometimes the place we are is because we are saved to. But the Lord is probably looking at us, or expecting us to move forward, to move out of the limit zone, and be like in the darkness. You know, there are many countries right now that they need a presence. Go and 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 put your life there for one year, for two years. You know, go and sow your life there. Mm-hmm. They are needing it. You know, there are people that they need discipleship right now. Iran, you know, and they're in, in the crisis in, the, in in the Iran region. They're shouting out loud. We need pastors. We need yeah. people who yeah. and that that's that the. That to me I was smiling Bible but then I know I, I I realized that they no longer need people bringing Bibles they needed people who will leave the Bible and show them and model yeah. the Bible to them so we uh, you know Joe we have no idea what the average Christian in the West would uh would be if he goes to a needy country with yeah, country yeah that I they understand. have needed. you have no idea all you have inside of you, all the potential, all the seeds, all the—I mean—we are super, super blessed. We are super qualified to go and serve any other place in the world and yeah. bring the and and, and, and and disciple people.
1: Yeah, and so what, I and just, I, yeah, I just want to emphasize that point because there's maybe some of you listening to this podcast and you attend a church, you're a member, you have a lot of knowledge, but you're not really being. Used to your full capacity, but to step out of your comfort zone and to go somewhere the Lord can do great, great things for you. I, w- I want to ask you one more question, though, because we haven't got much more time. So currently you and Sarah and the three kids, you're in transition and you're in Argentina, right? And, you're, you know, you're getting different passports and visas and you're going to be traveling again soon. We'll be praying for that. But as you share this story of Iran's church and what God is doing and what you've experienced with people in Argentina, as I do it with people in America and with people in England, Mm. uh, for those people who are not necessarily called to go to a different nation, how can these stories and what you know encourage them to do the Great Commission in their own home towns and villages and cities? What would you say to people like that? What you've picked up from the Iranian church that we can do here in our own nations?
2: Yeah, there's something that I really that I'm really connected with this truth of you know that the, the Great Commission is not only social work, it is not is that just that we are not like we think that giving food to the poor or 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 clothes to, to, to the people on, on street conditions, then not only that, that's good. But Matthew 28 is telling a Go and make disciples. And that's a mm. whole high level. And at that point, disciples will be were being, you know, uh updated or they were being, you know, graduated to 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 apostles, you know. Mm. That is what Jesus graduated disciples to apostles. Before they were fighting who's gonna sit on my right, who's gonna sit on my left, who's gonna I know more, you know. They, they, were, they were just, you know, immaturity is not a scene, but they were. They were entertained with, with another thing, but they get to the point where, the, where Jesus is trusting them, disciples. And that's there's no bigger honor, the you know, biggest honor, than, you know, be, that God trusting you your life and, and asking you to, to make disciples. Whether You don't need to go to Bible college to be a disciple. You just need to show Jesus in your life. Disciple is friendship, Joe. Disciple, discipleship yeah. is a is a, a relationship, friendship with someone where you emulate Jesus and the other person is just getting it, you know, and is learning and soaking it. No, it's it, it, it's a relationship with Jesus in the middle. It's it's a, it's not I'm gonna teach you something. He says, let's live together and. If Jesus did it with 12 people. I cannot imagine us doing it with four or five, it's just one, one person at a time and taking yeah. care of that person, you know. And uh, and the great commission is not only serving the poor, not only you know, evangelizing is not the easy part, not only delivering the Bible, but making disciples. And for that, you, know, you have to die, you know, yeah. because. Let's say, if you go, and that's something in the church, we go to, I don't know, whatever country in Africa, we feed the poor, we take good pictures with selfies, we put it in our Instagram with media, and we come back having a wonderful mission experience. And and the gospel is not about experiences. It's about giving, you know? Mm. And uh, we need to realize that the real thing that we're teaching is asking the disciples to do is to make disciples. Now, before today, you were disciples. Now you are apostles. I'm sending you. That's the word. ekbalo. Egbalo. I'm sending you to make disciples. Sending it. Don't don't sit there. Don't stay there. Go. Go out of your comfort zone and disciple people. You know, it's not. It's not gratifying. It's not. Uh, Wouldn't take pleasure in things that take long term. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. We we
1: want we, instant, we want instant in, reward instead of the long-term Instant effort. reward. That's yeah, exactly yeah,
2: yeah. so. So, you know, giving a Bible to someone or just evangelizing someone or just serving—it's instant, you know, gratification, and, uh, and that's what we would do. That and we call that Great Commission, and that is yeah. just a big po- and, and none in. Nowhere in Matthew 28 is talking about that, it's it's talking about dying to yourself, you know, go and make making disciples. Joe, is one of the most difficult things and uncomfortable things, because you need to listen, you need to forgive, you need to give opportunity, and it will take, like for me, in in, in the even region, for me, making a disciple would take about four to five years, six years, you know, making one disciple of Jesus. And I take I take this very seriously, and it, it doesn't give me instant reward. Now nobody will see what I'm doing. Nobody, you know, is calling mm-hmm. me. Nobody is giving me a like or a heart. Or yeah, they don't yeah, know yeah. that in social media. But that's a real deal. Making disciples is spend lots and lots of amounts of time with this person and showing love and mercy in Jesus and forgiveness and and you know trusting it and discovering his, his calling. You know, it's it's. it's an amazing, beautiful journey, but it's not just two or yeah. three lessons. It's it's a life pour into this person. So uh, I that's that. something that I, I I believe that we need to learn. We need to uh, re uh, think that we need to re uh, understand that yeah. making disciples is is much more than just helping people. is is giving your life, you know. And that's what Jesus did in the beginning. He said, "I'm not only you're my servant. You are my friends." Because I'm giving my life for you, and that's discipleship, you know. Yeah. And that—that's what we are asked to do. We are not asked to do big churches. We are not asked to do structure. But th- those things are the are the things that are taking most of our effort and time and money. But we yeah. are asked to do completely another difficult thing, you know, with yeah. making disciples.
1: I love I love that Samuel. and we'll we'll bring it to a close one because. I'm really inspired by that. And I don't I don't want to go off subject. I want to leave our listeners with that. So um, this idea that to make disciples is done anywhere, whether it's in the Iran region, Argentina, America, England, wherever you are, you can make disciples. But I do believe that some of you listening really did feel that nudge in your spirit when Samuel was talking about going and other nations needing uh, leaders and teachers. So if that is you, I encourage you to pray um through that and like he said um uh going evangelizing giving food to the poor these are all great great things and and good things that we can do but making disciples and what what I, my takeaway from from this talk Samuel is you know, you were a, a teacher and a preacher in Argentina, a Bible school. You smuggled Bibles into Iran. I mean, I can't imagine how cool the stories are, if we could go into detail of what the Lord did mm-hmm. in those. But your biggest takeaway is to do life with people and make disciples. And that takes yeah. time and effort and commitment. And and so, yeah, thank you so much um, for giving your time. And and again, to our listeners the Great Commission hasn't changed for, for 2,000 years. Let's go into all the world and make disciples. So thank you so much, Samuel. This was wonderful.
2: It was a pleasure, Joe. I love you, man. Good to have this time, this chat with you. That I yeah. know that people will be blessed. But yeah, let's just give it up to the Lord. He, deci- he deserves the best from us. You know, to so every, every listener right now, he, does, he deserves our best. So let's just focus and serve the Lord.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, my Living friend.
2: sacrifices. Love you, man.
1: All right.
0: Thanks so much for being here with us today. I hope you were as encouraged as I was by what Samuel had to say. I was struck by how God is not limited by what part of the world that we're in, how he weaves us into his story wherever we are, and with whatever we have, when we're willing and available. Next time on Jesus Speaks Farsi, we're talking with James, an Iranian pastor working in Chicago, where he leads both an in-person church and an online church of over 500. He has a unique story of becoming a Christian a little bit later in life and then receiving what felt like an unconventional calling into church planting ministry. Join us next time for our conversation with him. I think you'll enjoy it. Until then, I hope you experience Jesus in a new way this week. If you've enjoyed this episode please share it with a friend and if you haven't already would you take a moment to subscribe to our podcast or leave us a rating or review we love for more people to learn what jesus is doing amongst farsi speakers today jesus speaks farsi is produced by elam ministries a non ministry whose mission is to strengthen and expand the church in the iran region and beyond for more information resources and ways to partner visit elam.com